Well, um, I wasn't sure I'd be here this morning. Uh, Friday, I was uh, having a stint put in my heart. <laughs> um, a a, a uh, sudden chest pain. Gee, we're getting on an airplane to Glacier in two hours. Let me just quick go see if there's a cardiac guy. Oh, look, there's one available who's never available. I should go see him. And he looks at me and does a little thing and goes, um, I'm calling your wife and telling her you're not going to Glacier <laughs> this afternoon. <laughs> you're going to get a stint put in. And so, um, yeah, so, so I had a, an, a, an enjoyable Friday um, getting, a, getting a stint put in. And uh, the nurse who was assigned to us is one of our best friends. And so she was like, I'll do everything, but when they put that, I'm not going to watch that, okay? Because you're a friend. I'm just, you're a nurse. Come on. Anyway, so I'm making light of it, but it, it was a wake up. Uh, <coughs> uh, smell the smell the vegetables, not the uh, freshly baked bread uh, call. So anyway, um, so we are um, in week four about this class on gifted, and um, I'm going to do a quick. There's always a couple of people where it's their first time or whatever. So um, it's not your first time in this rodeo, though. I know you. <laughs> but, um, so when you, when you look, there are a lot of things in the church that have different levels of importance. And one of the things is this idea of spiritual gifts. And, and Jesus had a, had a very high view of Scripture. I mean, he said, have you not read? You know, and, and he just... And so when you read what scripture says about spiritual gifts and you, you think about what their importance might be, and then you look at the church, and, and this has bugged me forever, it's like, wait, what? There's 30 different definitions? That's like there's 30 definitions of the Ten Commandments. You know, it's like, and so you, you just kind of get this idea that there is something really bad wrong. And I, I have, uh, I'm like the Johnny Cash of Christianity. I've been everywhere, man. So... So I, uh, <clears throat> when you look at that spectrum uh, and the differences in what people believe, it is sort of interesting on um, definitions of spiritual gifts and what they believe. One of the most interesting things to me is Pentecostals and cessationists on, on either end of the spectrum, where they each believe the exact same thing about what is spiritual gifts. And one believes, you know, you got to speak in tongues coming out of the baptismal, and one believes they all ceased at the close of the canon of scripture and you go whoa okay so we we have a we have a wide variation of, of beliefs across <clears throat> and in most people's situation and and i'm not going to ask your situation but in many people's situation when you ask what do you believe or think about spiritual gifts and how does that affect your life your decision making your view of god your view of yourself your purpose in life, any of that. And for most people, it's a, I was hopeful when I was young, and I've kind of given up hope. It, it's just, you know, to me, the Enneagram's way more important than anything about spiritual gifts. And you go, I, I can understand that. And so that idea um, uh, really bothered me um, for a lot of years, and I spent a lot of years digging into it. I probably talk to everybody of every persuasion and have a book coming out. Chosen is publishing a book next month on it. This isn't an advertisement. But um, so what 
I thought we would do in this class is clear the, clear the desk, just I don't care what we believe, we're just going to shove all that to the side, and we're going to go back, uh, and this church and this, this um, tradition is really good at saying, well, let's see what the Word says. Let's, let's see how that works out, and, and if maybe we've missed it in some way. And so we're going to clear the, the decks, and when you think about confusion about however you define spiritual gifts, and we asked in here the first class, how would you define spiritual gifts in your view? And there, were, there are lots of different views in here, too, those who are brave enough to say anything. Um, and so when you think about the Corinthians and Paul's letter to the first Corinthians, especially chapter 12, they had issues. They, they had um, crazy church services, prophesying, fake prophecy, tongues without interpretation, disorderly services. In fact, the idea you get is they maybe had more problems than, you know, it wasn't just gifts. Maybe they had, you know, pride issues or who knows what, but they probably had a lot more problems than just spiritual gifts. But Paul, in 1 Corinthians 12, 1, we talked about, he answers the question they should have asked him. They probably asked him a question about tongues and prophecy. He said, guys, you've asked the wrong question. And so in 1 Corinthians 12, 1, um, he says, now concerning, and he doesn't say now concerning spiritual gifts, although many translations translate pneumaticos as that. And we talked about in the first class of three kinds of humans or three basic motivations in humans. There's the sarkikos, the fleshly drive, and, and Josh talked about that today. The sarkikos human, the psychikos, the psychological mind, will, and emotions. I, I'm a logical person. I make all my, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not emotional, you know, whatever. And then Paul talks about the pneumaticos person, the, the one who is motivated, influenced, lives out of their spirit and God's spirit. And scripture says that, that the psychikos person when the psychicos person looks at the pneumaticos person, they can't really understand them. In fact, it says sometimes it feels silly to them. Are you right under the, the uh, are you right under, move, move any place you want. It's, it's probably safe right up here. No, I, 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 I saw the look. It, it's, it's my wife will do that. All of a sudden she go, <laughs> that look, you know, the, the, the whiplash look, so you feel free. Um, so Paul says, now concerning, and then he says pneumaticos, and that word pneumaticos means not spiritual gifts. It means the structure of the spirit world, okay? So a pneumaticos Christian lives out of the structure of the spirit world. And Paul says, concerning that structure, the thing that you're supposed to live out of, I don't want you Corinthians and us too, because we're ignorant too. I don't want you to be ignorant. And he says, and we talked about this, he says this, and now you're in, in verse four, and he, he, he says a couple in verse two and three, sort of put down things like, you say Jesus is accursed, so we're skipping all that, but it's there. He says, now, there is an apportionment, and some translations say variety, but it's this word, uh, diiresis, or diiresis, I guess it is, of gifts, but one spirit, there's a apportionment of ministries, but one Lord, there's an apportionment of effects or outcomes, energizings, but one God and Father who works everything. On the other hand, there is 
a manifestation of the Spirit, the things you're concerned about, tongues, prophecy, the Spirit coming out through us or, or upon us, there is that. And the Spirit does this same word to each of us as he will. So Paul basically says, look, the structure of the Spirit world is this. There are spiritual gifts called charisma, charis is grace, ma, package, grace package. There are grace packages and one spirit. And we, I said last, last week, we, we looked at what did, you, what did you see in that verse? And one of the things you see is this crazy pattern that Paul lays out. He says, look, there are spiritual gifts and one spirit. Spiritual gifts are in us and there's one spirit. There's ministries, but one Jesus, the head of the church, and we all have a job and a career and we go, if you're faithful and little, you'll get, you know, all, all those parables make sense within this structure. Jesus is the, the head of the body. And when we think of head, we should think the analogy is a human body. So the head of the body is the brain. And you think about what effect does your brain have on every part of you, every cell, everything. And you say, well, like 15 different things, but it's, it, it, the brain isn't actually in me, but it's in me. Right? And that's what Jesus says is, I'm in you. I, I flow in you. So it says there's varieties of jobs, but one Jesus who activates, motivates your career, what you're doing now, what you're going to be doing later. If you grow up, if you're faithful and little, I'll give you much. You know, the parable of the minus. Welcome, you've been faithful with this. I'll put you in charge of 10 cities. You go, that's a big promotion. <laughs> you know, I was selling Kool-Aid and now I'm the mayor. You know, it's kind of like, that's, that's kind of a strange deal, but there we go. And then he says, look, there's writings of, and, and this word is a very interesting word. It, it means something hidden makes something happen. It's like God causes all things to work together for good to them who, what? Love him and are called to his purpose. What is his purpose? You using your gift in the ministry Jesus gives you. That is his purpose for you. You are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, for good works that God has prepared beforehand for you to walk in. If you want all things to work together for good for you, you need to understand the structure of the spirit world, how the Trinity works with us and within us and within the church. This is Paul saying to the Corinthians, you are, you are so messed up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna lay out for you how it works, okay? And, <clears throat> and then the manifestation of the spirit, tongues, prophecy are never called gifts. We, also, we, we think the gifts of the spirit are tongues, prophecy, word of knowledge, word of, and, and yet, when you look in scripture, they're called gifts obliquely in a whole bigger list of things. But when Paul is doing his, and we're gonna talk about this in just a minute, when he's doing his analysis, they're called phanerosis. Manifestations, clearly visible works of the spirit. Something that happens that we can see. They're not called gifts. These things are called gifts up here. A different list is called gifts of the spirit. And so, each of these things work differently. So I'm going to give you uh, just a quick definitions. So gifts are the charisma, the Holy Spirit in you. And you can think of your spiritual gift. And this is Romans 12, if you're taking notes or thinking it through. You can think of your gift as 
um, a lens that you look at everything through. There, there's this joke or story about, <clears throat> you know, a waiter is carrying a, a tray of drinks to a table that's rich people all having their business meeting in a big fancy restaurant, and they spill the gifts, uh, they, the gifts, <laughs> they spill the drinks, uh, these fancy drinks, and the restaurant goes hush, there's clash and clatter and everything, and you're standing there. Are you, are, is your immediate motivation to go to the mess, to go to the person, or to go back to the kitchen to get more drinks? Your immediate thought without thinking anything else. And if your immediate thought is this thing, then the lens that you're looking that through is a different lens than the lens who wants to go straight to the person. They don't care about the mess, they don't care about the restaurant, they care about is the person okay not physically okay but are they emotionally okay you know are, are they see and, and some of you go well of course some of you go no they the restaurant owes them drinks we got to comp the drinks and get the drinks out you know what are we doing and some of you are going there's glass people are going to slip we got to you know call the fire truck you know <laughs> it's like right so we have different motivations right and those are just serving motivations yeah see now now you, uh, mates can start punching each other as we go through the gifts, okay? You can hit each other on the shoulder and do that. So that's what, that's what it is. It is your primary motivation in any situation. Your ministry is, and we're gonna get into this later, is, is a measure of Jesus given to you for a job and a career, okay? It says Jesus measures himself out, the gift consisting of Jesus. He measures himself out. And it will change as you mature and as you prove faithful. If you're faithful in little, I said before, you'd be given much. Okay, so that's what ministry is. The effects, the energema, is when we just talked about this, I won't belabor it again, God causing things to work together for good. So with, with my stint that I got, you know, things work together so smoothly for a doctor who had no availability and had perfect availability for me when I needed it. So much so the woman drawing blood, when I told her, she goes, that's Jesus, that's Jesus right there. That is God. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, okay, I get it, I get it. You know, we have a nurse who's a dear friend of, of Susan and I. She was assigned to me, just, just in the rotation, was assigned to me, it's like, Okay, I know you're there. I know you're doing this. You're causing things to work. I, I'm, I'm that person on the moving sidewalk on a concourse. I'm not walking faster, but I'm moving faster. And that's what the Father does when we get this. We can do a lot of things for God and the Father's going, you're taking somebody else's job. I want you to do the things that are assigned to you to do because you're perfect for those things. You're okay for these things, but you are perfect for these things, right? And so it's not hard to find those things. God wants us to find those things. If you never knew anything about this, odds are good you'd still stumble into them. But wouldn't it be great if you knew it was a thing <laughs> so you didn't have to stumble in, you could walk into it. And then finally, manifestation of the Spirit. Those are power tools. Tongues has a real purpose. Tongues uh, is a human capability that the Holy Spirit can use. Uh, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, where all, all of those things, if you look at the book of Acts and compare that list of nine things, they pop up everywhere in the book of Acts. If you look at your life and you take all the, all the woo-woo out of it and just say, Jesus, is there anything I need to know about this situation? And you go, huh, that's interesting. You see, it's just kind of like, oh, he, he just gave me 
I could, I could name it a word of knowledge, or I could just say, Jesus, just help me understand what to do. See, we can give it, and so Paul gave them names, and he didn't intend those names to have capitals and, and be up in lights. He intended those names just to be, this is how the Spirit helps you. Here, here are nine ways the Spirit helps you. It's not charismatic, it's Christian. <laughs> you know, it's, just, it's just the Holy Spirit helping you. His, that's his job. That's what he likes to do. That's what he's given. So um, now I'm going to apologize for this next slide. Um, but you need a chart. Okay, some of you, some of you are triggering right now. Just close your eyes and we'll be done with this in just a minute. But so Paul is doing this analysis, and I'm going to get into that word in just a second. And he says, look, there are things of the spirit. And he says, here are four things of the spirit. And each one of these is going to have an analysis underneath that Paul has done in Scripture. Okay? He has organized the structure of the spirit world in the amazing beauty of Scripture. He's given us everything we need to know about the structure of the spirit world so that we can live and walk in it. Everything we need to know. Okay? It's, all, it's all in there. And we're going to cover everything. Not today, but we're gonna, in the next weeks of the class, we're going to go piece by piece through this and show how that peace can be worked into our lives so that we can walk in the, the, the pneumaticos, the structure and the calling of God on our lives and do it naturally, supernaturally. It, 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 it'll, it'll be supernatural, but it won't feel, it, 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 there won't be thunder and lightning and voices from the, well, there might be, I don't know, but if, if there is, you're probably in trouble, okay, because it, it, it didn't happen without that. Um, so, so there's the structure. So we have gifts. All of these are a subset of things of the spirit world, okay, the structure of the spirit world. And this is the spirit, Jesus, Father, spirit. Again, so they each have a role. One of the things that happens when you get used to this idea is you begin to discern the different voices of the Trinity in your life. And you go, huh, because sometimes you say, I pray to God. And that's good. They all answer to God. I'm sure, you know, they're just glad we're talking. But at some point you go, this is about ministry and about the body. I know who's in charge of that. And you start to listen for Jesus. You start to understand the parables. A parable will suddenly, something he said will come out and you go, oh, uh-huh, got it. Okay. And it's not just what you do at church. 98% of all gifting happens outside of the church, in your career, in your relationships, in your community. All of life is holy. We only have holy buildings to go to one or two or 4% of life. But everything you do, when you go to the store, Jesus goes to the store. You know, it's crowded in your car, you know, because you got, you got the Trinity with you and, and they're with you. Jesus said, I, the Father and I will make our home in you. The Spirit will fill you. It's like God says, you know, last time I showed a funny little thing. It says, you know, do I need the Holy Spirit to go to heaven? And the answer is, bro, you need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. You know, it's just like, yes, it's, it's okay. So let's go on. Uh, so one key to understand <clears throat> this, this, this whole concept, and something that has been missed, and in missing it, people have said, well, 
there's all these different lists. They're all spiritual gifts. So we'll lump them together. And, and, and if, if it's as sloppy as this, and we can throw other stuff in or take stuff out or, you know. And, and so the gifts have just become, it, it's, like, it's like when I was a kid, uh, my mom would make like four different things for dinner. You know, there'd be a vegetable and something. And I would go, and I would just, and then I'd push some stuff out I didn't want. And then I'd eat it. And my, my dad would finally say, you know, you're destroying the taste of each of those things by just lumping it together because they're different things. And the only way he proved the point was he took ice cream and put it in the middle of my pile of dinner and smushed it around and said, there, now you got the whole dinner. And I was like, okay. You taught me a, a, a lot. Well, see, we've done that with spiritual gifts. We, we smushed everything together and they're different things. And so we then have come up with 30 different lists, none of which are biblical. And then we wonder why, A, we can't, we don't understand that structure, but B, we can't connect with the Trinity. It, it's, hard, it's hard to discern the voice of God, not just the, the voice of God, but the voices of God. It's hard to sense the Father, the, 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 the gentle voice of the Father, the amazing uh, smile, you know, it, you just because you don't have a, we, we don't have any, f any framework in which to put that that idea, and so the Trinity remains a mystery rather than, as Scripture clearly says, the Trinity connects with us in different ways inside of us, and so it's it's a, you know, you just think why in the world don't we just teach this every Sunday? You know, I'm that guy, so I'm like, um, okay. So Paul uses this word. <clears throat> And it's diaries, and it's a, <clears throat> and he says, look, there's a diaries of, of gifts, a diaries of ministries, a diaries of energy, and a diaries of manifestations. And it's a Greek word. <clears throat> it was either invented by Plato, or at least popularized by Plato. And this is the, the various ways you pronounce it. Um, but here's really what it means and what it says. <clears throat> So the word itself means, um, in a logical analysis, it's taking everything in that topic, putting boundaries around and saying, okay, here's the topic from horizon to horizon. Now I'm going to break this into chunks, into, into the, the seven primary colors, the, the eight kinds of vegetables in the vegetable aisle, the, you know, the, a kid uh, your child coming home for Halloween and putting chocolates here and, and you know caramels here you know that it's that mindset that says I'm going to take everything and divide it into groups so the word means apportionment distribution of the whole something you categorize Plato used it if you look at the writings of Plato he used it in four or five different ways Epictetus it was used all the way through today it's <clears throat> you see it in the, how the animal kingdom how the Enneagram uh, body types, dog type, everything. You take all dogs and then you go, okay, I'm going to, how are we going to divide up dogs? Big and small? You know, how, how are we going to divide up the grocery store? You go to Kroger and then you go to Publix, you go, two different diuresis analyses going on here. And then you go to Whole Foods, you go, oh, all bets are off now. <laughs> you know, I can't find anything. Um, so, but the steps are, and this is what Paul said he did four times. Okay, he said, there is a logical analysis of charisma. There is a logical analysis. You can take, you take 
all of the grace of the Holy Spirit and you divide it into categories. Think primary colors. How many colors are there? Billion. How many primary colors are there? Seven. And all billion colors fit under the, the headings of the seven primary colors. How many spiritual charisma gifts are there? A billion. How many primary colors are there? That's what Paul is doing with this kind of analysis. Does that make sense? Any questions about that? Okay, well, stick with me and we'll, you'll, see it, you'll see it happen because we're going to do our own uh, diuresis analysis right now. We together are going to come up with a list of spiritual gifts. Yeah, it'll it take two minutes. You just watch. Um, so, so some people wonder about that word, if Paul really meant that word. That word is used only one other time in all of Scripture. It's used four times by Paul right here. And it's used one time when Jesus is describing how the father of the prodigal son and the older brother, how he divided up his estate. So imagine the father needing to divide all of his belongings between two sons, one of whom is leaving. What would he do? He would do a deirisis analysis. He would say, okay, get it. I'm going to make a list of everything I own. This kid needs liquid assets, the jerk, you know, who I love. Um, and, and so I'm going to have to sell certain things, but I need to sell the right things to keep the estate going. If I sell all my bulls, I don't have bull. You know, so I, I have to. And so he did this whole, and that's what the analysis is. You, you sit down and you look at what is my purpose? My purpose is to divide it in two with one leaving. Okay, those are my criteria. Now, how do I do it? So does that make sense? So Paul says, what is, what is my uh, criteria for charisma gifts? So we're going to be very, very scholarly here. So put your thinking caps on. So, so charisma gifts <clears throat> are the motivational lens in any situation. And to give us a start, Peter began the diuresis analysis this way. He said there are two kinds or two broad categories of charisma gifts, speaking and serving. Right? Two kinds. So if you say, when we're good for each other, I can help someone in certain ways and I can, I can put categories under the ways that I help someone and I can talk to someone in certain ways and I can put categories about how I talk to them, right? So when we think about that and we think about speaks and serves, let's, let's think about um, speaking. Okay, so when you think about, not like dad jokes, okay, <laughs> but when, when you think about like the kinds of speaking that someone might need to help them in their life, what's one thing every, everybody needs and we send kids off to do this when they're six. Teaching, right? Everybody needs, see, you go, oh, oh, yeah, that's what he means. Okay, why didn't he just say that? Okay, so, so you say, okay, so one kind of speaking is teaching. Everybody needs teaching. Check. Okay, so teaching is kind of neutral. I'm giving you information. Okay, what else might somebody need if they get into trouble? What kind of speaking do they need then? Counseling? Whipping. Yeah, no, they, a counseling, right? They need correction. They need counseling, something like that. So, 
So if we take a really broad category, which counseling is part of it, yelling might be part of it, hey, not like this, let me show you, is part of it. So there's a whole bunch of things that all go into correction. Some kind of, I, I get off course, and something that I say brings you back on course, right? Now, you can, now I can keep teaching. Teaching is, I'm going on the course, I go off course. Let's say I get really, I, I don't go off course, but I just get discouraged. So I kind of go off course, not because I'm doing something wrong, but because I, I just, you know, I just can't, can't do it. And you say, okay, the other kind of big category of speaking people need is they need to be encouraged. They, they're not doing anything wrong, but they need to be told who they are, what you love about them, that they can make it, that, that uh, there's dessert tonight, you know, just stick with football practice and I'll bake you a cherry, cherry pie, you know, or whatever. They, they need encouragement to keep going. And so if you look at all of the kinds of speaking that, that are good for each other, that help each other, there really isn't a kind that doesn't fit under one of these three categories. I mean, there can be a gazillion kinds of encouragement, but it's all encouragement of some kind, right? And so, so if you think, you say, okay, all of speaking, it, it, that isn't just superfluous speaking, is teaching, I get off course, correction, I get discouraged, encouragement back here again. Yeah, got it, okay? Does that kind of make sense? Okay, so now let's think about serving. What kind of serving do people need? Just physical help, not necessarily words, but just, just kind of serving. What would be sort of like the teaching, kind of like the generic thing? Serving, <laughs> I mean, it'd be kind of, like, kind of like just a practical physical help. Hey, can you guys shut and help me move? I'm moving. Can you, can you help me fix my car? Hey, can you give me a ride to the... It, they just need practical help of a, of a million different ways, right? Okay, what else do people need that might be the same as, um, <clears throat> as encouragement but not words? People, people need... Let's say, let's say somebody lost a loved one. Um, they got fired from a job. They're just really feeling down. They had a stint put in their heart. In their heart. Yes. When you think about that, um, they need emotional help. They need caring. They need someone. You know, it's like a lot of people go to the hospital, but the one who carries that gifting is the last to leave. <laughs> They're like, and they bring food. And they don't leave till the patient leaves. You know, you know, you know which ones those are. They, you know, when, when you're hurting, you don't want to go to me. I, I'm not that guy. But there are people around who you go, yeah, I want them sitting right here because they just make me feel loved and good. And they just do it by their presence. It's amazing. They're gifted. Ta-da, they are gifted. Okay, what else do people need? Um, let's say, so this is just physical help, practical help. This is emotional help. Is there another category of help that people need? That's not emotional, it's not physical. Let me, what's that? Well, I mean, to me, the logical thing would be, but I, keep, I keep coming back to speaking, so that's not, not Yeah. Um, let's say that you're trying to go to college, but you can't, because you don't have the money. You don't really need 
this kind of help, and this kind of help's great, but it doesn't really help. Oh, I'm so sorry you can't go to college. Bummer for you. You know, I was just like, bummer for you. Okay, and so you need resources. You need someone to, to help you, to resource, to help you get a house. As a dad, one of my jobs was when the kids became very responsible and were going for it and needed a place to live and rent was getting more and more expensive, could I help with a down payment? None of them ever asked, but when I knew they were ready, I said, hey, how about we together help you get a house? And they're like, oh my gosh, we were talking about that last night. I'm going, thanks, just me and you got, you know, it's kind of like that feeling. Okay, and so when you think about those things, now, if you get all these people in a room and they're all trying to do these things that they love, the, the last thing that you need is somebody to organize that bunch, right? I mean, if they're all, if they're all in a church and they're all thinking about something, you need someone to stand up and do that. Well, here's Paul's list in, in Romans 12. <coughs> Since we have different charisma, or charismata, it's actually, a, uh, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophecy, then prophesy in accordance with, if it's serving, teaching, exhorting, giving, leading, mercy. This is Paul's diairesis analysis that covers the ground from horizon to horizon of the kinds of things people need. And if you take that and stick it on our list, we can see that this is the analysis Paul did. He sat down and he said, of all the th ways I've seen God move, he moves in three speaking ways. Thank you, Peter, for, for breaking into two, two groups for me. Peter always said, Paul's too complicated. Speaking, serving, don't worry about anything else, okay? And, and so he said, yeah, there's three speaking gifts that cover everything that we need in, in speaking that builds up the church that helps someone. There's three serving gifted people that cover everything we need there. And there's a leader that helps it all happen in an organized, coordinated fashion. And Paul says, all of the basic grace package that each of you has been given is one of these. Primarily, now we're going to talk more about this, okay? But it centers in one of those seven. Deiris says, this is a horizon to horizon consideration. There's nothing outside of these, okay? Everything you can think of that's of the same caliber will fit in as half of this and half of that, or will be this, or will be that, or will be this. There's three ways of speaking that, that are umbrella terms for a wide variety of ways of speaking. There's three ways of serving that are umbrella terms for a wide variety of ways of serving, and there's a leader. Now, I know you're going to sit and say, well, what about, what about, and we can do, we can do, yeah, I see you doing that, because I know you and I'm the same way. Um, I sat down with a group of, of uh, college kids one time, and I said, come up with things that don't fit, and they couldn't do it. They, they kept saying, well, what about a fireman? Well, what's a fireman doing? Well, are they speaking? No. Are they serving? Yeah. Practical? Okay, that's what they do. That's, that's what their job primarily remotes to. What, what about, there was a, there was a, a girl, a, a student, who said, <clears throat> everybody else, all the nurses said, I'm, I'm this, 
or, or partially this and partially that. And she came up crying at the end of the, the talk I gave and said, I'm not this. And I've been thinking about getting out of nursing. And, and she was, I said, what, you know, I say something wrong and her friend said, no, those are happy tears. I said, okay, good, good. What's going on? She said, because when you talked about what the leader does, what their role is, she said, I'm going to Lipscomb to become a leader of these people because they get uh, a bad deal in society. They don't get paid, they don't get respect, they don't, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and I need to be one of them to help them. But my driver, my motivation, the lens that I look through is this, how can we organize them? And she said, I'm gonna call my dad and say, I'm not dropping out of college, I'm just gonna shift some of my coursework. So when she saw who she was, her primary motivation, and it became a thing for her, everything began to make sense, okay? Another guy was, uh, he was a book agent, and, <clears throat> and we began talking about his primary motivation, and I said, you're, you're about 20% leading, just enough to organize your company, but all the rest is giving, because you wanna give the world amazing books and amazing speakers and amazing programs, and that's what floats your boat. This is your motivation, not this, and certainly not money. And a tear went down his cheek, and he said, you just explained my life better than I could. I said, I didn't explain it, I, I just showed you how God explains it to you. When you figure out your primary motivation, all sorts of things start to make sense to you. Husbands and wives go, oh, okay. See, when, when my wife realized, and I'm gonna stop in a minute, when my wife realized that her primary motivation was not serving but was giving, and that all the projects she did to help our sons, it was because she could give them something beautiful, not just help them. And when she saw that, changed everything about the way she related to the kids. And they began to see, oh, mom's got another project for me. See, and, and they, yeah, come on, you know, so, so like that. So when you begin to see your primary motivation and where it sits and what, it, and uh, we're gonna come up with a tool next time with these, um, that's a circle and you can find your arc in the circle it's with three questions, so it'll be pretty easy. But when you get this, then you are on the path to that scripture, all things work together for them who love me and are called according to my purpose. You now have the basis, you have a, 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 a set of eyes that are now sensitive to those kinds of things coming into your life that might fit this, okay? And when you do, it changes the jobs you pick, it changes the friends you're with, it changes how your free time is spent, the books you read, the hobbies you pick up, the things that interest you, you start to go, oh, yeah, yeah, see, oh, okay. See, I'm, I'm primarily exhorting, but with about a 20% wing into teaching. So I exhort, but it's always through teaching. I cannot teach and not have exhortation going on. It just, why do I do it? It's a waste of time. <laughs> it's just like, why, okay? Does that make sense? Okay, so I made some big claims this morning, so I, you know, feel free to go back and look at them. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, and, and I can send out these PowerPoints to you uh, anytime, okay? So, yeah, I think, I think we're done. And I just wanted to show you the scriptures. These are the other two places Paul does diagrosis analysis. This is for ministries, and this is for manifestations. 
Scripture has got Paul's analyses in Scripture. I mean, it's there. You look at it, you go, oh my gosh. Everything I need to know about how ministry works is found in Ephesians 4 and in the words of Jesus, the head of the body. Huh. Bingo. Okay. All right. Any, uh, any questions in? So anyway, there, there's the listings for you. And we'll come back to those and we'll start. But <clears throat> So uh, these are the lists that people think are spiritual gifts. Only this one is. These are equipping ministries. Paul was an apostle, but his gift was exhortation. Okay? And these are power tools that are available to any person when faith meets need. You can all speak in tongues. Paul said you can all speak in tongues. I don't think it died out. <coughs> you know, 600 million tongue speakers would say it didn't die out. I'm not willing to say they're all wrong. Okay, thank you, Lord, for this. This is a big, big bunch today. Amen.